This is Comics Coast to Coast. Everybody, this is Brian Dunaway, and you're listening to Comics Coast to Coast, episode 341, the James Stowe interview. Before we talk to James, let's talk to Joel Duggan of Starcrossed Online and Forge Publishing. Joel. Good evening, sir. How are you? I am fine. I am fine, fine. Fine, fine, fine. How's <laughs> that, that, that little stupid meme video go? I forget. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, you I've, don't know. They don't. Already, it sounds like you've had a long day. They don't have. They don't have. Memes. I can just tell. Yeah, they don't have memes in Canada. All right. Thank you, Joel. <laughs> also with Canada us is, is a meme. All right. Also with us is Matthew Desharm and Matt Dewad. Matt, how are you? I am busy as hell. Busy <laughs> as heck. That's right. Good. Good. Uh, that's, that's good to hear. I mean, because this is the time of the year. Either you're really busy, end of the year. Or you're not, and you're really concerned about the following year. So it's good to hear you're busy. That's that's a good thing to have. And I'm assuming it's because you're busy on the Matt the Wide Christmas animation that I'm waiting for. <laughs> no, no, I'm still working on my big project. But uh, <sighs> no, the the main thing is the uh, the mother-in-law is coming for the holidays. Right. So we got to get everything all ready for that. Excellent. Lots of stuff to do. Excellent. Also with us tonight, our special guest, James Stowe. James, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Excellent. If you're a dear listener, if you'd like to head over to SidekickQuest.com and check out James work, I'll have James now, if he doesn't mind, if you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, your comic. Sure. Well, uh, I am a freelance uh, graphic designer and illustrator, and I'm also a cartoonist and game designer. Mm. And Sidekick Quests is a a marriage of both those last two things. Um, When my son was six years old, he came to me and really wanted to play uh, a role-playing game, but he didn't want to play it with me. He wanted to play it with uh, his six-year-old friends. So I had to figure out how to make that happen. Interesting. So I decided to uh, turn it into a project for myself. Right. Six years old. That is wild because I'm trying to think if my kids were into role playing as much as they were as SpongeBob at six years old. Well, I have been working in the gaming industry for like 20 years. So my house was full of books and source material and stuff right uh, for him to see so it wasn't like he, it just came out of the blue like he he saw me playing and he's seen books i've been in uh so uh he has really been influenced by that that is and great. if you give me one minute i've got to let him in the house oh actually. good oh speaking of the, I'll be of right the child it is time. Yeah. It is time to let him in. So we'll talk about you while you're gone for just a second. So, <laughs> so that's perfect. Yeah, we knew that this might happen, and that's fine. Uh, we we uh, interview cartoonists quite often who have family, thank goodness, and children who uh, prompt us to be better people. Uh, I so think. Go ahead. While James while James James is gone, I want to know uh, between yourself and Matt, uh, when did you guys start playing? If you have started playing at all, tabletop RPGs. Uh, well, I've I've played tabletop RPGs off and on since I was probably in uh, middle school, uh, okay. and so I I've played uh, I've played a good bit of games over the years. I'm I'm more of a digital guy for many years, but I'm trying to get back into uh, into the more tabletop games. Matter of fact, I'm playing a little bit of Magic: The Gathering, which is a uh, battle card games, um, but. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying that little experience of uh, getting a little tactile with uh, back in college. My friends and I called that tragic. The spending tragic. The spending (laughs) that is too. I'm back. And it sounded like a perfect time to be back. It was, we were just running out of conversation. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we were uh, we were. No, just it sounded like it was just getting good. Oh, yes. This is well to to answer your question. Right. Uh, I'm same way as Brian. I started gaming around middle school, 
Uh, I still have a group that I game with only about once a month, though. Mm. That's about all we can manage to do because, you know, we've got, all got lives and stuff. But wow. about once a month, we still manage to get together. So I'm, I'm going to say that I'm probably the latecomer because I didn't start doing tabletop RPGs until I was well into my 30s. Right. And I and think, I think that may be just because of your age, Joel. And it's, it's not a bad thing or a good thing. It could be. It could be. I'm not, I mean, I'm not exactly young. I might be. I might be on the young side of the of the, the guests at the table right now. But I'm, I don't know if I'm. Um, I'm not necessarily a young pup. Um, but the question, James, while you were gone, was when did uh, everybody around the table here start playing RPGs? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, I I feel I got into it kind of late because I didn't really start playing until college. Right. Okay. Uh, but then uh, pretty much as soon as I got into playing, I also got into the industry. Um, I've been a fantasy illustrator for many, many years. So I started doing, and that, that way I got the books for free. So I started right. playing more, you know? Uh, and mm-hmm. as somebody who's made a lot of money during the big uh, card craze of the 90s, right. um, I'm glad that you thought it was called... Um, tragic the spending That's <laughs> because they paid really well uh, for for card. Uh, so did everybody else back in the day. Right now, have you done any Magic the Gathering artwork? I have not. I've done work for Wizards, but I've yes. never actually uh, hit that uh, golden grail. I haven't right. ever done a Magic card. I've done like there are so many cards out there that I've done, but they're all for, for games that are either defunct or, uh, you know, not in production anymore. Magic has outlasted everybody else in the nineties. There were card games for everything. Literally everybody was making a card game. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's getting there again. I mean, because there's such, there's been such a resurgence of, of board games, tabletop games and card games over the last probably five years or so it's, it's really seen a a shift and uh, i'm absolutely yeah i'm glad oh, I agree. it's astounding how uh just how it's reached into popular culture mm-hmm. and uh like much more than it has ever done um in the past at least it uh, as far as i uh, i've observed right and my I- daughter she watches the show called riverdale Oh, I don't yeah, know. yeah. Archie Comics. Their, Archie Comics comes right, to right. comes to WB essentially or whatever they call it now. The CW, and, excuse uh, me. They're playing what is Uh oh. I may have lost connectivity. In this current season. Uh you know what? I lost Skype connection just for a second there. So please tell me what you said about the Riverdale story again. Oh, sure. Uh, well, well, this season they're actually playing a Dungeons & Dragons type game oh, nice. called uh, Griffins & Gargoyles. It's an old satanic panic type storyline. Right. It's hilarious that they're doing it now on a mainstream show. I love it. I'm I'm interested in seeing... You know, I started watching Riverdale because I'd heard a lot of things about it, and I'm kind of like, yeah, but is it is it really a really bad teen drama thing? I don't think I want to see this. But uh, I started watching it, and it, just as an independent individual watching this, I kind of enjoy what I saw so far. Sorry. It um, it reminds me of if you took Archie comics and just kind of yes. smashed them together with uh, Twin Peaks. Yes. This yes, is- it's kind of the show that exists. Yep. It's very strange. It is strange. But, I've, I've but I get to it. bond with my 12-year-old daughter over it. So uh, <laughs> I have no excuses. My daughter is 10, and she's totally not in. She's, like, right on the cusp of being interested in the teen dramas. She's still kind of watching the Disney dramas. And, uh, so I have, oh, to, I have to hear sorry. all of them. Right. Please I'm hurry. I'm so glad that that phase in my house is over. <laughs> <laughs> Please hurry up and graduate to Riverdale. Maybe I'll just force her. And that's what you do to your kids. You force them into doing the things that you love. That's what you're supposed that's to do. That's right. That's right. I like that idea. I think that's why uh, Psychic Quest exists. Actually, is because I yeah I I did terrible damage to my son as he was growing up because <laughs> he is a he is a huge gamer oh, and yeah. uh, Sidekick Quest was a, a big part of that. That's He's cool. actually helped out a lot with the development of it from the beginning. It, uh, like I said, I started it when he was six. The idea of it. Mm-hmm. And he's 15 now, so oh, wow. 
he's he's graduated sidekick quests and is on to like he he plays his own games interesting has he started so it you say he plays his own games is he creating his own thing as well or just uh he does on on uh he's actually i think coming up with uh like a homebrew setting with two of his friends nice. for a huge campaign that they're working on yeah nice nice now you know I want to I want to circle back around because we haven't talked about the most. This is the first time we've encountered a comic like yours. We've talked to many cartoonists, we've talked to you know animators, illustrators, we've talked to many types, but I cannot think of any comic that is created in such a unique way. And I'd like to hear more about that process because you started this comic, but you also started at the same time is the role-playing game and so i did actually the comic was only meant to uh like augment hmm. the role-playing game it was never meant to be the other way around but i i as an artist uh found that the comic to me was very uh easy cathartic to make so i got really into the telling of the story of the comic uh and didn't progress at the same pace with the game so now the comic is well outpaced the game. I'm just now catching up with the game development part of it. But originally it was all meant to be, because if I wanted the idea when I started was I wanted to make a role-playing game that could introduce kids as young as six to the ideas of tabletop role-playing games right. so that parents and children could sit down and play a game together, the the kind of games I really like, the the storytelling games. Mm -hmm. Where it's not just, oh, there's a winner. It's we're all sitting around and telling a story together. So with that in mind, I I was like, well, how do I introduce these concepts to young children in a way that they are going to enjoy them? And I'm like, oh, well, why don't I make them comics? Because that way, they kids can read it and just enjoy the comics. And I can introduce things in the comic about how to play role-playing games, like how to roll dice and how to move on a map and how to uh, how initiative works and that kind of thing. So I tend to blend. It's a story that exists in the world and the characters are real to them, but in the same respect, it's a game being played by people that you rarely see that roll dice and uh, there's a GM who constantly talks to them mm -hmm. although occasionally i always try to make sure that the characters in the story when they reply directly to the gm it also works on a meta level so that they're replying to somebody in the world right like i want to make sure it to me it's important that they live that they live in this world and they are experiencing this story i know it's a weird I like as a no. creator those kind of thoughts. It's um, it's actually that you're, really good. You become obsessed with them, you know. Right. right. <laughs> no, this is good. You you got to set up rules for your world, and you got to set up rules for a role playing game, and so there's this there's this synergy that just makes sense to me, and the fact that it's a learning tool and something that personally I have personally have had great difficulty explaining to non role playing gamers that this is a game the first thing you always when you when you start to tell them about role-playing games first of all game usually in the word and they assume there is a winner and loser and i'm like sure. it's not quite like that it's it's a little different well how long does it last well it's not quite like that either well you know <laughs> what what am i supposed to be doing do i get like a little do i get a little dog or a you know do i get to buy hotels it's not like that either and uh so I, th this is a this is something that this is fascinating to me, and I can't wait to introduce to some of my kids because I've been I've been trying to uh, teach my ten year old how to play Magic and Magic the Gathering, the card game, and some of the some of the, the mechanics there I kind of understand because of all my previous gaming, but just like trying to tell somebody how to tie their shoe. Oh sure, it's just. It, I mean, there's mechanics in magic that uh, I struggle with sometimes. Right. right. I'm like, what is this new thing that yeah. they just introduced? How does that work? You know, if I may recommend something to you, then absolutely. If you really want a game that is basically Magic: The Gathering, but an introductory version, 
the Pokemon card game yes. is almost exactly Magic the Gathering just for kids. Right. And she's played some Pokemon, uh, but I think because she's playing with her peers and the peers don't quite sure. adhere yep. to the rules, you know. So uh, I think maybe if we had a structured play where me and her played some Pokemon, you might be right. Because Magic the Gathering is listed as 13 and up because I guess there's some concepts that unless your child is advanced and my child is advanced, uh, it, it can be kind of tough. Some tough yeah, there's ideas. definitely some uh, strategy-wise, right. for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why that's one of the problems I had with introducing role-playing games to kids. I was because there's a lot of concepts and complexity mm -hmm. that gamers really enjoy that aren't really new gamer-friendly. Right. You're just kind of expected to eventually get it. Right. So, so I I wanted to create a game where um, you could pretty much do anything. You're rewarded for doing anything. And the concept of being able to do anything was easily communicated. Right. So what came first, the, the, the comic or the, the RPG? The RPG came first. Right, right. Good because I was, I was developing... Actually, it, it started as uh this thing called D&D &D for Dads that oh. kind of spread throughout the internet uh like 8 years ago right and it was just the stuff i had developed for my son's birthday hmm. and when i saw the response to it and i'm like oh yeah there's a lot of parents just like me who love uh rpg gaming but have kids and now can't take the time to play RPGs, but maybe we could play with our kids. It's the so I'm like, profession. oh, I'm going to make, why don't I make something like that? So interesting. Eight See, years I, later, here I am. I didn't, I, I think <laughs> I've seen this before D and D dads, or at least someone has shown it to me before. And it might've yes, been, it, it might've been, I still have people asking for it. Yeah. It might've been our, might've been our mutual friend, John Kavalik of Dork Tower. Who, oh, it could have been. He, maybe he's mentioned this before. Maybe that's how I knew about it. But uh, by the way, he recommended you, if you didn't know, to, to be a guest he, on the yeah, show. Yeah, you know, he's, uh, uh, I, he's always been one of my um, biggest influences. Right. So when I got online and um, he was one of the people that I, I tried to seek out and he's amazing. He's an amazing, amazing guy. guy. Amazing. Uh, and we've uh, struck up an online friendship over the years. It's been great. Right. Love it. Now, for those not real familiar with uh, with role playing, uh, one of the things that you do in role playing most of the time, you you create your own characters. At least that's one of my favorite parts of role playing, uh, especially if you've ever played any Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, you get create your character sheet. You get some choices over, you know, what classes they are and and, and their name. But then there's a lot of things that you don't have choices over, like uh, you know, like like their abilities and their skills, and that's all rolled for with dice. How does that mechanic, that idea, play into the comic? Uh, do, you're, do you do you create a character sheet for you each of the that, characters? That was one of the first things that I had to decide what I was going to do because that is actually one of the. One of the first stumbling blocks I found with introducing uh, role-playing games to people who've never played them before is the idea that, oh, we're going to sit down for like two hours and we're going to play, but we're not actually going to play. We're just going to make your character. Right. And that usually is where most sane people go, no, we're done. <laughs> not doing that. So I decided with Sidekick Quest that everything was going to be pre-generated. So you could just sit down and play, immediately play. All the GM, the game master, needs to do is read the scenario in advance. All the players need to do is sit down at the table, choose what role they want to do, and go. Nice. And that was it. So Smart. when it comes to rolling dice uh, for character creation and trying to figure out the best kind of character to make, uh, instead, with Psychic Quest, you just pick the role that you want, and you are ready to go. So if you want to play a squire, because in Psychic Quest, unlike regular fantasy role-playing games, you're not playing the warrior and the wizard and the ranger. You're playing kids 
who want to grow up to be those things. So right. you play apprentice wizards and boy and girl scouts instead of rangers and a squire instead of a knight. Right. So with that idea, I'm really trying to encourage, hey, you don't need to know everything when you start playing this game because you're playing characters who don't know everything. Right. You're playing characters who are learning. So it's okay for you not to know what to do because your character might not know what to do. It's a good point. It's true. Now, do you find that your skills as an illustrator and, and a cartoonist were then able to help um, with the, the visualization of the characters for the kids? Oh, absolutely. Like, I am so glad that I don't have to pay somebody <laughs> to do all the illustration work. Yes, I. Uh, it really helps because um, uh, originally my, my style deviated wildly from what Sidekick Quest has become. Right. But it's become a style that I'm now very familiar with. And I always meant it to be very bright and colorful. Mm. Like, the first thing you should see whether you're looking at the comic or the game, is a bright, uh, colorful illustration. It should make you want to pick it up. Right. So that's the first goal. Because if it doesn't appeal visually, then they're not going to get deeper into it to read anything. Mm -hmm. So every character needed to be re like really engaging right away. Mm. And they are. Well, thank you. I think they are absolutely. It's it's definitely going to appeal to uh, to that age group. I think you're you're spot on with the with the style you picked and the style you went with. Uh, you said that you had originally started. You you had a head up on the RPG game because that's where you started, and then you went into the comic, and now the comic is outpacing the game. Oh, by quite a margin too, like so much. Right. So, like I got into the idea. So, right. Go ahead. I found that making a comic two or three times a week right. was quite intensive, more intensive than I realized it was, <laughs> but I loved doing it, but it took like I, a lot, I, I work for myself. I'm a freelance illustrator. I need to allot myself time, you know, in my schedule. So when I allot myself sidekick quest time more than often than not, it went toward the comic, which was great. Cause I love telling the story but the idea of pacing it along with the RPG releases, like after year one or two, it was over. I was like, oh, I uh, so I've actually brought somebody on recently. We're starting a game company just to get us back to pace with where we are with the comic. Because I'm about I'm very close now to finishing the original storyline I had started with Psychic Quests. There's only one more chapter after the chapter I'm in now. So once I tell that whole story, I'm going to be done, but I want all the game material to be there as well. So, right. Like it, like it a lot. So that's interesting. You're kind of taking a one thing at a time approach, you know, finish one thing up and then shift your focus entirely to the next thing. Yeah. I kind of have to, since I've, I've been a one man operation now for like, six years oh, i just right. now brought on somebody uh, uh a partner to help me out right um but like with the first book that i released for sidekick quests that was all me i did everything i did all the game design all the writing all the art all the everything everything was me hmm. and i i realized how big a job that was so since i really want to um, really speed up the schedule for these releases. I, I knew I couldn't do it all by myself. Yeah, true story. So, I mean, you're essentially doing world building with the game for the comic. I am. Yes. So, and that's the, kind of the intent. So does that, is that what facilitates the speed at which you can put the comic out compared to why the, the RPG is, is a little bit behind Be because of, because the RPG has laid the groundwork, do you find that when you go and write and draw the comic that that makes that just so much easier? It does. Absolutely. Like, uh, and I have stuff designed for the RPG that um, I am, am, am not ready to release, like, because we're still in, either in design phase or playtest phase. But I've got characters, like, main characters in the comic right now 
that are roles that I have developed. They're ready to go. I just haven't released them yet. Like I have a a Swabby character. His name is Pickup. Nice. Um, and he's uh he wants to grow up to be a pirate. Uh-oh. But there are no pirate rules anywhere in Psychic Quest right now. Right. I mean, they exist. I have character sheets and, and stuff for them. I just haven't released them to the public yet. Yeah, because you have to... That you, that's the thing about comics versus role-playing games. Role-playing games are deceptively simple. Because you go, oh, yeah, you just... That's the reason why people make card games, too. Because like, oh, it's so easy to make a card game. You just put some cute art on it. You throw, some, you throw a couple of rules on there. What you don't realize is the great complexity of of thought that must go into every element. Oh yeah, play Have, testing, yeah, play, play testing, play testing, play testing. Oh like I've play tested this game so much. Right, right. <laughs> um, as a matter of fact, the main character in the comic, her name is Janice. She has switched roles hmm. to a role that I haven't even released yet. Oh, She's. Nice. She's now a barbarian. She started as a squire. She's now right. um, a barbarian. But I haven't released the barbarian rules because I plan on doing that with a certain book. Right. So we're not at that book stage yet. So mm. I both am, I am both envious and glad is you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I love I I I've never done a project for as long as I've done Psychic Quest. Right. Uh I can't imagine me not doing it now that I've been doing it for so long. I love, I love the world. I love the characters. I love the story. I love the game. I love seeing people play the game, right? Like at conventions and stuff. To me, that's just amazing. I love hearing um, families talk to me about that they played the game and and uh, how great it was to sit down as a whole family right. and play a role playing game together. You ever just show up with none of your kids to one of these games? Just go, oh, hey, hey, children and parents. I'm just a guy who just showed up. I'm going to play this sidekick quest with you guys. I do that all the time. Love oh, it. yeah. I go to like game stores and libraries and I'm like, Love hey, it. you want to play a game? Love yeah, it. I, when, when I do conventions, I try to bring my kids with me. My yeah. son actually uh, is usually my main demo guy at conventions. Uh, but when I'm doing like store appearances and stuff, yeah, it's all me. That's great. And That's I'm like, great. hey, you guys want to come over and play a game? It'll be great. Heck yeah, you do. It's, yeah. Wow. And I see. actually find I've run the game for just adults before. Right. And there's something about, there's something freeing about playing a game meant for children mm-hmm. that when you play it with uh, all adults, it becomes this weird let's see how far we can push this material <laughs> as we often to, do yes exactly so it's a completely different experience i've having run it for uh adults as well right that sounds like that sounds like fun do you have a local game store that uh you get to frequent that you would like to just you know tell everybody about you know here? what I've, i try to get all over i i live in the pacific northwest mm-hmm. um and we have a lot of we have a huge gaming culture here, so I try to get to as many uh, game stores as possible. Excellent, excellent. We won't play favorites then. See, we yes, that's I'm trying to be very tactful. Yes, right. <laughs> See, I, I we only have like one game store within like unless you travel more than three hours. So it, you know. That, oh yeah, no. Uh, the Pacific Northwest is much different. I mean, we're the we're the home of uh, Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's great. Because it it is very small here, and I've tried to do things like I've tried to, you know, you, you always try to have your friends locally come over, and it's always harder, especially as you get older and you sure. have kids. But the fact that you have a sidekick quest that may open up something where I can go, hey, some of you parents with kids my the same age as mine, come on over and we'll play a role playing game all together, and then when the kids get bored, we'll uh we'll play something cool. Right. That, that was always, that's always been my goal. Yeah. Like, because for me, I, I love role-playing games always have, uh, ever since I got introduced to them, they always, I love the idea of, um, storytelling in a group, like a bunch of people getting together and, and telling a story together. I think that's a fantastic idea. We should do more of it. Um, 
But as you get older and you have more responsibilities and you have kids, your free time for that kind of thing becomes less and less. And then when you factor in like five or six people Mm -hmm. all with the same schedule, it becomes like a chore just to get your your weekly game going. Yeah, and everybody's ready to go to bed at nine. They're like, oh, "We got to go That's home." That's right. That's right. We got to get in <laughs> so the idea of developing a game where it, you're specifically designing it to play with kids and adults right. together. Um, it's a little bit more freeing when it comes to your time. Right. I can't and I love playing with kids. Yeah. I find that playing with kids, they're the most imaginative. Mm storytellers you will ever run across like when you tell a, a kid in a game hey you can do anything you want right you, they will do anything they want they will they will come up with the weirdest ideas right and it's it's really great to see that and and be able to foster that love it so speaking of trying to get people around the table uh you have a kickstarter going right now for i believe it's your second book with it is. Plus? It's our second book, and it's also our first printed rule book. Ooh. So uh, up to this point, because um, I wanted Sidekick Quest to be very accessible very early, um, and I knew my limitations, and I knew the limitations of other people, I decided to make it all open source print-to-play PDFs. Oh, nice. You were going to spend 99 cents. You were going to download a PDF. You could play a game with your kids. Um and I've released a lot of PDFs over the past six years, and I've gotten to the point where I realized that people who actually play this game on a regular basis probably have a loose sheet of paper problem <laughs> because I've asked them to print out a ton of paper over the past six years. Right. The least I could do was finally put all these rules together into one book. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, so this current Kickstarter, The Mystery of the Moonstone, is our second graphic novel slash adventure book. And it's also our first uh, fully realized rule book. Right. That's cool. And so you actually get two books, not just one. You get both. Okay. So you get the two books. And do I need to have the first book to be able to enjoy? Nope. The, all the first. So um, one of the things I really wanted to do with this project is I. The idea of the comic was always to tell a story that could be a campaign, a role-playing game campaign, and to so it's a living world. So you can read the comic, and then you can play the comic. That was always my intention. So each one of these books, uh, it, it condenses one of the chapters. The first book was called The Secret of the Sewer Wizard. And it is a graphic novel. You can read the whole story. Um, but it's also a uh, an adventure module. So you can re- you'll read a part of the comic, and then the comic will pause, and it will give the game master all the information they need to run what you just read. Oh. And then it'll slip back into the comic, and it'll do that. So the adventure books for side psychic quests are all that, that style. You get a story that you can read with your kids and then you can uh, play the exact same story. And your story might not be anything like the story that I wrote down, but that's half the fun. It is. That's all the fun. Exactly. Love it. Especially considering I'm the only one writing. Uh. I really wish there was an actual group (laughs) playing the game that I'm writing. I, I, find it very interesting sometimes as a soul guy by myself trying to emulate a table of people talking right uh one of the things i actually do when writing the comic is i roll the dice oh so anytime a character so anytime in psychic quest a character in the comic does something they roll dice they have to and whether they whether they succeed or not depends on the roll of the dice well, I actually, I write the script for my comic, and then I have to write in parts in the script where I'm like, roll dice, and then branch. Like, if mm. they succeed, great. If they don't succeed, well, something has to happen. So when I'm actually writing the comic, I don't know what's going to happen. So for me, so that fun. was one of those rules I made up very early 
is I want it to feel like a role-playing game. In order to make it feel like a role-playing game, I need that level of uncertainty that comes with role-playing games. So I actually need to roll the dice. If you've never played a role-playing game and you've spent, like we had talked about earlier, hours creating a character, and you take a risk, and the dice roll the wrong way, and you lose your character, you know how... You know how nervous and scary that is that's what makes it fun you just don't really know yeah you don't know it could a, know. anything could happen we're on both sides like it right. all as a matter of fact there was uh one storyline uh, a couple of years ago the main character janice mm-hmm. uh she was in a situation where she was about to fall into a a, a thing of lava and i rolled and she she rolled a one she <gasps> failed oh, no. and i was going to lose my main character right and I was like, how am I writing myself out of this situation? So I actually created a completely new rule that uh, you can expend. So instead of experience in, in role-playing games, you get experience and it helps level your character up. Right. Instead of experience in sidekick quests, you earn gold stars. Because, you know, Aww. of course you do. You're I like that. Yeah. Right? So uh, I created on the fly. I'm like, okay, maybe you can spend a gold star to re-roll a roll. <laughs> So I had to do that because I had written myself into a situation where I was going to kill off my main character. Right. And I didn't want to do that because I had, you know, stories to tell with her. Right. Oh, that's the, that's, that's, that's where this, that's where this whole project got interesting to me when I finally understood what it was. I was like, wow, that's a risky take in with characters. It It can be from time to time. And it takes my story in directions I was not expecting. And every once in a while, and just recently I did this, I also get to a point where I think the table wouldn't necessarily agree. Hmm. So I asked the readers where we should go. Right. I create a poll, figure out where we should go with the story. More often than not, the readers go in a direction I wasn't expecting. But again, that's kind of like how the table goes from time to time. So making you less comfortable than you want to be. That's that's good storytelling making you uncomfortable that's good so when you I know we got you, way away from your original oh no that's it was that's fantastic it well because it opens me up to a whole bunch of questions because li- listening to you talk about the game and the rules and the comic and and that sort of stuff i'm wondering with the kickstarter for people that are new that people might want to grab this and play you know with their kids in the in the module like do you get a rule book like do you do you actually get like a blow by blow like as you the parent this is how you do this with your kids or is there other information out there available there is there's a um there's a a pdf guide as a matter of fact if you go to our current project page on kickstarter you go to the campaign portion you go down to the how to play we're giving away everything you need to play the game to learn how to play the game we're giving you a quick start guide we're giving you all the characters that you need. We're giving you a few starter quests for free. You can just download them straight from Kickstarter. Nice. And you can learn how to play that way. But there's always uh, there's something I bring with me to conventions. Um, in order to play the game, I make this postcard that has characters on one side of it. And on the other side, it's a little rules sheet. And it's literally all the rules you need to know to play the game fit on a postcard to play it. To run it, it's a little bit more difficult. But to play it, um, I really have designed the game to be very, very simple. Hmm. Uh, But in a way that it introduces all the core concepts. Like, let's talk about ranges, for example. In, In most RPGs, ranges tend to be very complex. Right. Um, certain weapons have multiple ranges and all this in sidekick quest. There are two ranges and we learned it from, uh, Sesame street. There is near and far and that's it. That's all you have to worry about thanks, near and thanks, far Grover. near. Yeah. If, if you're near somebody, you can do things that say that you're near them. If they're far away, you can do the stuff that says if they're far away and that's it. That's all you need to know. Love it. <laughs> nice. That's a great solution. So I really tried to simplify down everything, even to the point that instead of like with most RPGs, you have attributes of some sort. You have strength and uh, stamina, constitution, that kind of thing. Uh, in sidekick quests, I wanted it to be more conversational. 
So with the idea that you're encouraging players to be able to do anything, you encourage them to ask if they can do anything. So they say, um, I want to, uh, I want to break that door down with, um, this piano. Mm -hmm. So in order to achieve that, the attributes they have are, um, clever enough, quick enough, smart enough, and tough enough. So the GM, their job is to ask them, well, are you tough enough to do that? So they immediately know, oh, well, he's asking me if I'm tough enough. I need to roll my tough enough. Right. It's good. So it's really meant to be that way, but in a way that you can take everything from the game right. and then go play more complex games. And you've already been introduced to all the, the basics of role playing. Love it. Such a great idea. Dang it. Why did you have to pick? You figured it out first. I hate you for that. Actually, you know what? Since I've started this, there have been several projects started to help introduce kids to role playing games. And I love the fact that it's become kind of an emerging market. Yeah. I like even one of the best uh, role playing game designers uh, in the industry right now, uh, Monty Cook, created a game called No Thank You Evil, oh. which is such a wonderful name, right? For a right. role playing game for kids. No Thank You Evil. I love it. I love so it. I'm jealous of him. You can be jealous right. of me. I'm jealous. Of him. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see these in the schools. I'd like to see. Uh, oh, me too. I've yeah. actually uh, done that. I've done some like after school programs nice. and summer programs for Sidekick Quest. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, imagine the reading comprehension. I mean, it, it must be just off the charts for for like when teachers take a look at this thing, they must right. be thinking like, Oh man, talk about a way to engage kids, mm -hmm. you know, and get them to read. And, and cause we've talked about that before on the show with, you know, reading comics and how it, you know, getting kids to unplug from iPads and phones and iPods and all that kind of stuff. And then oh, engage, engage in language. Mm -hmm. Yeah. in books and things like that. Well, it's something that I was thinking about earlier, you know, when you were talking about um, having a paper book for, you know, for rules and to, alleviate the problem of printed PDFs for parents. And also it, it's just a nice way to say like, look, we don't need the laptop or the iPad open with right. the PDF. We can actually just have all of the devices somewhere else in the house off or unplugged or whatever. And then just all sit around the table with a book. Um, yeah, and that's exactly what we're trying to encourage is yeah. just to get everybody unplugged for like two and a half hours. Let's sit down and play a game and tell a story together. Right. Yeah, I have a I have a friend, uh, Velter, that um, has been playing uh, RPG stuff uh, with his kids, and they're a little bit older than six, um, but um, but he's been using like Lego and and other kind of oh, like sure. stuff for for the for the um, I don't know what is the, not the, I guess it's the map. What am I? What's the term I'm, I should be using here? Yeah, the I, the minis and the map. The sure. minis of the map, yeah. So, and so that's what. It, so it's something they're familiar with, but it's it's been giving new rules, you know. Yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. Um, I've seen a few projects like that too, which um, I, I think being able to use, even if you're just doing a, a Dungeon and Dragons game or something like that, using Legos is a great idea. Oh yeah. Very well, and a mildly inexpensive way. Right. Right. Well, inexpensive considering that you more than likely already have some. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah don't go buy a bunch of like fantasy Legos because right. uh, they're not cheaper than minis. They're just not. <laughs> this is a true story. That's they're true. a lot more fun. Right. Not, not as uh, not more inexpensive. Now, uh, listener, we are. This is uh, the 15th of November. Uh, just it a few few more days left on sidekick quest three, so, only three more days i'm so freaking out three I more hate days starters <laughs> absolutely so if you're listening this sounds like something you're interested in and i i am you should be too probably and uh especially if you have kids or if you don't have kids you just want to get into role playing maybe this is for you uh but yeah just a few more days left probably two days by the time you actually hear this and get it in your ears uh so do it go over there and uh help james get over over the home. Yes, please. We're we're really close now. Yes. And yes. the last few days are usually pretty good for Kickstarter. So yep. we have uh, high hopes that mm -hmm. we're going to fund. I want to be one day, I want to be that guy who like funds. I want to be fun. Right. Uh, speaking of John Kavalik, uh, you know, I want to be able to fund in a few hours. Right. I'm not, I'm not that guy yet. I'm the guy who, <laughs> you know, pushes every, every day right. a little bit here. Hey, here's a Kickstarter. Come fund it. 
Yes. So yes, here's our Kickstarter. Please co-fund it. Absolutely. Love it. We really want to make these games for you. And we're planning, our goal is to make um, one of these adventure books plus some kind of supplements right. uh, available as soon as we mail out the last one. So Perfect. we are already thinking about the next book. So as soon as we get Mystery of the Moonstone uh, to everybody, we're going to start the next Kickstarter for Chapter 3. Because right now I'm writing Chapter 12 nice. in the comics. I've got a lot of chapters to get out Ooh. as game material. You do. You got a lot to catch up on. Oh. I do, right? I told you. I got way too carried away with the mm. with the comic and um, uh, uh, let the game languish a little bit. Right. L lots less rules in the comic uh, business than there is in the uh, gaming business. So, there, well, a lot less play testing. There you go. A lot less. Play yeah, testing. a lot less oversight. Right. Like with my comic, I can just be like, "Oh, I got to get a comic out by tomorrow morning, and it's <laughs> like eleven thirty. Oh, I can do that. You for, can't do the same thing with a game. You that can't. is just. Or if you do, people will let you know. Oh, they will. <laughs> they will give you all the hate that you can stand. So I, we we got about another you know nine minutes. So I would like to get into the art as well, uh, and oh, talk sure. a little, talk a little bit about your art. A lot of listeners, uh, comments coast to coast, love to hear about the art and what you're using and that kind of stuff. Joel, you want to lead us into this part of the show? Absolutely. I mean, we can start off with with something real basic. Uh, James, are you more a traditional guy or fully digital? I am 100% completely digital, hmm. to the point that uh, I am a vector artist. My comics are made 100% uh, vector. Nice. I don't even draw them in advance. Nice. Now, are you like I don't draw them traditionally and scan them in. I do right. everything. Uh, I work in Illustrator, Good. Uh, which I I find to be an amazing program, and not a lot of people use it. I've actually uh, taught seminars on how to use Illustrator before. Uh, I'm also a high school design teacher. Nice. So I teach uh, digital art to high school students as well. Illustrator was my first vector application that I ever used. It was, uh, it is a a beast, just like his uh, his uh, sister software, Photoshop. It will do so much. It is an am both amazing tools. Uh, it is. It, I find that, uh, well, with Photoshop, since there's a, a larger user market, mm -hmm. um, there's a lot more help out there for Oh, it. yeah. With Illustrator, and since Illustrator has all the same tools as Photoshop, mm -hmm. but none of those tools work the same way. Not a bit. People get really frustrated with Illustrator really fast yes. because Amen. they usually come from Photoshop, yes. and so they give up, uh, and they just go back to Photoshop. Just trying but to understand. I, I love Vector. Just I trying absolutely yeah. adore Vector artwork. Ve Vector is absolutely the way to go. But just understanding the artboard in Illustrator versus uh, you know the canvas in Photoshop—that's enough to just blow your mind, right there. <laughs> well, it's all yeah. Like everything works. It's like being in um, like the next dimension over. Right. Everything's there, but nothing works exactly the way you think it should. Nope. Um, grouping, grouping, yeah. grouping layers. I mean, ah, it's just, amazing. It's it, an amazing it, thing. It is absolutely amazing. And then when you start creating new objects, those new objects may get put into a sub object of the layer. And man, if you're in Photoshop, Photoshop looks like a breeze, uh, when you try to compare it to illustrator and, uh, understand the complexities of it, but I love it. I'm with you. It was the so it, having having seen my comic. Did you yes, realize it was I, done with I Illustrator? Would, I would have never guessed Illustrator. I would have never assumed anyone would have been that kind of glutton for punishment. No, it's <laughs> not a no, no. I could teach you how to I'm use sure Illustrator could. perfectly fine. It wouldn't be I'm giving you a hard time. I find it actually more difficult to go back to Photoshop now because oh, I'm yeah. like, oh, nothing works oh. like it's supposed to work. <laughs> oh, I, I give equal I give equal hard time to Joel about Photoshop because I am a clip paint studio guy because it does raster and uh, vector uh, graphics mm -hmm. and uh, I, I I like it a lot. I, the only thing I don't care for as much is the uh, the the coloring and that's just that's that's me. All these programs are me. It's all it's all on me. 
Oh yeah, no, no. and it's the same way across the industry, right? Like everybody just has their preference. Yeah. Um, when I first got into like doing, um, tutorials and stuff for it, I learned a very interesting little tidbit information that your average user of these programs uses about at most 10% of the program. Right. But professionals who use the program on a regular basis only use about 25%. Interesting. That's how much of a sway difference yeah. it, there is between how, say, I use it and you use it, even though we're both using the same thing. Yeah. It's, uh, so it, if there's anyone who ever tells you there's one way to use this program, right? Tell them they are wrong. There is something. And, and don't don't get listener if you're if you're a younger artist getting into this is is probably equivalent to what my generation went through, which was trying to find the perfect pen, the perfect pencil, the perfect canvas. And only, oh, I still know those people. Oh yeah, the only <laughs> the only perfect thing is practice. And right. just, you know, just, just do it. Just do, do, do and do some more. Yeah. That's what I, I tell people all the time. Like I were, I draw probably around at minimum, I draw four hours every day. Right. So that's why I, I, that's why I produce, uh, the art I produce is yep. because I work at it every single day. If you expect to be able to do that right away, as a matter of fact, if you just look at the first page of Sidekick Quests and the current page of Sidekick Quests, <laughs> they alone are radically different. Right. Like you just get better the more you practice. So if I have one bit of advice to anybody who wants to be a cartoonist or an illustrator or anything is just work, work yeah. all the time. Just okay. keep, keep making stuff. Mm -hmm. And if you like it, then it's not work. Like for me, I yeah. I could I could just draw all day and not talk to a, a person ever and be totally happy with that. Mm -hmm. My wife yeah. doesn't agree with me. She doesn't think that's the best <laughs> use of someone's time. But that's, that's yeah yeah. Well, you got to listen because if you don't, oh yeah, absolutely. I have to interact with people. That's it's... why I make as many opportunities <laughs> as I can to get out and walk around and. <laughs> And interact with human beings because right. if I had it my way, I would just be drawing all day. Yeah, that's uh, it, what's wrong with that. Plenty. That's why role playing games that's are right. so good, right? That's right. Yeah, that's Perfect. right. Going full circle. That's right. Full, full circle, and we are running uh, a last couple of minutes here, so you could get back to your wonderful family uh, and do yes, some more. Because I, I could talk about this for literally ever. I, I, I think we could, this. and that's that's a good that's good news because. Uh, Kavalik is, I believe, on uh, his, was it fourth or fifth visit with us? Fourth. I think he holds the record with right. four. So uh, you'll have to come back and give oh, us Oh, I some, would love to come back. Give Absolutely. us some more. Give us some more. Uh, but we do have one last question before sure. we go. And it's the one we call, we, we asked uh, Kavalik, and it's how we found out about you. And I'm going to let Matthew take our, take our last question. And, yeah, he's definitely named Kavalik a few times. Right. But... Are there any other artists that we should know about? Well, have you have you ever speaking of gaming and comics? Have you ever spoken to Brian Patterson? Brian Patterson. He does a comic called D20 Monkey? No, we have not. He is he's an amazing cartoonist. He's a great gamer. He uh, is uh, a wonderful to talk to. Ooh, I, like I would totally book. recommend him. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm digging. I'm on his, on his website now, d20monkey.com, I'm assuming. Yeah, so I think he's good. doing a Call of Cthulhu storyline ah, right now. Love it. Do love me the Cthulhu. Yeah. Uh, perfect. We'll have to check that out. So d20monkey.com. D20monkey.com. Yep. Check out Brian Patterson's work. I think that's going to do us, James. Appreciate you for coming on the show, taking the time to sit down with us and and just tell us all the wonderful things because I have really this has been eye opening. I love when we find somebody who's doing something a little different. And this was certainly oh, great. Well, I, I love talking about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> James, where can people visit you uh, socially? on the internet if they would like to uh, interact. Uh, I am very uh, active on Twitter. Hmm. 
Mm. I think that's my my main platform of that kind of thing. I am James Stowe, uh, at James Stowe at Twitter. Um, most of my, the other stuff for both Sidekick Quests uh, is all handled by my partner. So I I pretty much handle my own social networking, mm. and then I I let um, Anna. She is uh, my partner in all things Psychic Quest. I let her handle most of the other stuff. Excellent. Great. So if you want to talk to me, find me on uh, uh, Twitter. Excellent. That's a great place to be. It's where a lot of my Irish friends are. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I, I can't. Like, I, I, uh, I could talk another 15 minutes just about Twitter, I think. Oh, yeah. And how useful a resource it is for artists. It, it is it is all right by me that Twitter I do I do fine over there. All right, James, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, also, want to thank my uh, co-host Joel Duggan of Starcrossed Online and Forge Publishing. Joel, any last words? Always a pleasure, and I really enjoyed the gaming talk. It's it's mm. kind of a nice twist uh, to throw into the comics coast to coast mix. Uh, and I've lately I've actually been spending most of my time on my other website. I have several, but uh, JoelDuggan.com has been revamped and re-released with my brand new store. So I had a lot of people when they saw the stuff that I was putting out at Halcon ask me, "Hey, I'm not at Halcon." How can I get these things? Well, I'm not at Halcon. And the answer is at JoelDuggan.com because the store has been revamped and I've been in touch with our good friend Dave Michael. And so everything is set up. It's ready to go. So head on over to JoelDuggan.com and pick up the prints that you thought you missed. Mm, interesting. I'll show Matthew DeSharm. Indeed. And uh, you can find stuff by going Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Matt the Wad or Excellent. That was Matt the Wad. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore the Wad. I believe so. Matt underscore the underscore wad. A lot of underscores like that. All right. <laughs> also follow me at the Brian Dunaway on Twitter and follow us uh, as a group at Comic C to C on Twitter. Uh, and uh, if you'd like to support the show, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Comic C to C. I think that's about it. I want to thank, uh, thank our patrons who are supporting the show uh, every episode. We appreciate you guys. Uh, we're wrapping, we're getting rapidly close to the end of the year. Uh, I'm sure we have some exciting interviews for, uh, early next year. And we usually take a list, a little bit of break coming up, but I think we have a few more episodes before we, before we do that. So we'll keep everybody up to date on that. And, uh, that's about all I have. So we'll talk to you guys next week.
show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. You? <laughs> yeah, I actually kind of want to go see. <laughs> yeah, me you, too. You, I'm I'm surprised. And it 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 straddles the fence between disturbing and kind of cute. Yeah. I just I thought the premise of everyone else hears Pika Pika <laughs> and this one guy hears Ryan Reynolds like I just <laughs> 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 to me I was like okay, I I think I might be all in on this. <laughs>